Before I get started, I, I just want to speak to the camera and, and just say uh, a word from the Lord. I, I feel as though God has said today in our service, for some of you, you're healthy, you're well, your children are healthy, and they're well. And I am going before you, and I will go behind you, and I will protect you. And I'm inviting you back into corporate worship. I'm inviting you back into corporate worship. There's no guilt involved in what I'm saying. There's no cynicism involved in what I'm saying. I feel like the Lord is speaking directly to somebody to say to you that he is available. And you can have all of him. And part of what we need, church, is the body. And when the body is not whole, the body is not well. And you are part of the body. And we need your presence. We need you in the body of Christ. And so whoever that word is for, you, you, you receive it. And don't email me if it's not for you. <laughs> email God. Now before we jump in, I want to say to all of you who are joining online, we welcome you. Would you put your hands together and welcome them? Uh, Caleb uh, from Grand Rapids, Michigan, Jim and Terry in Indiana today. Give uh, them a hand. We got friends in Washington, Tennessee, Texas, Honduras, Egypt. Welcome uh, to Battle Creek today. And to those of you who are joining online, two things I want you to do. Number one, share the experience, YouTube or Facebook, share the link. And if you're watching for the first time, I want you to fill out that connect card. Let, let me just say to you, real ministry does not happen anonymously. It happens where we know you, you know us, and, and we get to know one another. And so fill out that card so that we can take the first step in getting to know you. Uh, text the word Battle Creek Church, all one word, to 94090. Now, two announcements for, for all of you today. Uh, number one, next weekend is TUL weekend uh, for our 6th through 12th graders. And so today is the deadline to get signed up for that. Battlecreekchurch.com forward slash events. You can sign up. And, and then next Sunday, Everybody say next Sunday. Sunday. New series. And and, uh, just show of hands, how many of you have felt like in in recent days, maybe in the last year or so, that relationships feel more complicated? Anybody? I'm going to do a series called It's Complicated. And it's on relationships. And I want you to know that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, here's what the Lord says to his people. In all of your relationships, one with another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And I'm just going to tell you, if you will have the mindset of Christ Jesus in all of your relationships, they will not be complicated uh, like you are experiencing today. The mind of Christ, what, what is he doing? And so next week, be here next week as we'll jump into this brand new series called It's Complicated. Question uh, as we get started today, does anybody, how many of you remember layaway? Anybody remember Layaway? Now, those of you who are millennials and younger, you, you, you don't have no idea what I'm talking about because it's a very 70s and 80s thing that you would go to a store and you would go shopping and, and you would find something in the store that you wanted to buy, but you had some money, but you didn't have all the money. And so instead of going to the front of the store, you would go to the back of the store where they had a service desk and you would take that item to that service desk. You would lay it on the counter and you would say, can I put this on Layaway? 
Now, let's say the item costs 50 bucks. You, you, you would give them uh, 10 bucks, and, and you wouldn't give them all of it. You would just give them some of it, and, and they would give you a slip of paper, and, and then you would leave. And it was confusing for children, right? Like, I remember saying, Mama, we gave them the money. Why are we leaving the stuff here? And, 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 you know, and so your mom would go back once a week or once every other week or whatever, however she paced it out. I have no idea. And she would take 10 bucks at a time or whatever. And when she had paid the full $50, she'd get to bring that item home. Now, the reason I set that whole illustration up that way is because I think some of us think that way about heaven. That we read about heaven, we think about heaven, and, and we think someday it's going to be like that. Someday it will be better. But, but heaven is not a layaway system. We, we, we don't pay in a little at a time, day after day after day, and then one day when we paid enough, then Jesus comes to get us. And then we sort of get to enjoy heaven, all the good stuff of heaven. No, no, no. We can enjoy heaven now as the children of God. In, in fact, it's part of what the Lord's Prayer is all about. Now, we looked at this in the first week. In fact, we've prayed it for the last two weeks. Let's pray it again uh, together if we could. It's acting contrary today. Let's pray this together, all, all, all campuses. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. In the last two weeks, we've said that the most important part of this prayer is right in the middle, that this phrase, as it is in heaven, that everything before it leads up to it, everything after it leads away from it, and all of it is qualified by that line, that every request in this prayer is praying heaven down, right? And we looked at it last week, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And on and on and on. And last week we looked at the line, your kingdom come. Today I want to talk about the last line of the very first half, your will be done. And this, I think, maybe is perhaps one of the most relevant topics that we could talk about in our culture. Because of all the questions I get asked when people find out I'm a pastor, the one I get asked more than all others combined is how do I know the will of God? And there are some questions that you and I get asked in life that are what I would refer to as a bullseye question. In other words, they have one answer. You're looking for one thing. Who was the 16th president, right? Or how tall is the Statue of Liberty? But, but most questions in life are not bullseye questions. They're shotgun questions. And there's a lot of answers to those questions. You just try to kind of get close, right? Who, who makes the best pizza in Tulsa, right? I, I, I would say dollar for dollar, pizza for pizza, it's hideaway. What, what, what SUV should we buy, right? What SUV? Well, I, I would say probably a GMC. But, but of course, these are opinion questions, right? They're opinion questions, even though my opinions are true and right, right? Which is part of the dilemma that we live in in America today, that everybody thinks their opinion is right, and the only one, and the only possible one, right? And, and some things are just opinion. But you can also ask questions that aren't opinion questions and, and get a lot of answers, right? And, and the thing is, you can almost be right no matter what you say. What's a good college to go to, right? Or what, what, what should I eat to get healthy? Or, and, and, and so the type of answer you give to a question depends on is it a bullseye question or is it a shotgun question? Because you wouldn't use a shotgun to shoot a target, 
right? To, to shoot a bullseye, you would use something else, and, and that's the difference between hunting with a shotgun or, or with a bow. With a shotgun, you're not trying to hit a postage stamp, right? You're, you're aiming at a duck or a bird or whatever for, for sure, but you don't need pinpoint accuracy. That's why I like it, actually. And, and, and so with, with a bow and an arrow, you have to hit the mark perfectly. It seems pretty hard, actually. In fact, a few weeks ago, I was with my friend, uh, Mike Babb, at his ranch, and I'm, I, I took one of his bows, and I went to pull it back, and I couldn't even pull the thing back. And, and I, somebody else did it. Kurt did it. And I was like, I'm strong as Kurt. And, and, and there, there has to be some form or whatever. And so I, I was able to take the form and, and you, I learned the form and I could pull it back. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, hey, don't I need that thing on my wrist? And, and Mike said, no, you don't need that thing. And when I shot that arrow, that string hit my arm and filleted the inside of my arm. And Mike is a mercy guy, so he was like crying, you know, and like he felt terrible that that happened to me. But I, I was searching on YouTube and I found this guy in Kansas. He's just like four hours from here who shoots clays with a bow and arrow. Okay, I want you to watch this video, this guy. Basically what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a clay pigeon, I'm going to put it on my shoe, I'm going to kick it up in the air and try to draw down and shoot it. That's how you do it. And that's how you do it. <laughs> Just like that, right? And, and if we're honest, that's how most of us feel when people like me, preachers, get up and say, here's how you know the will of God. That's how you do it. J Just like that, right? We're like, what? And, and, and I, I think that bow and arrow analogy is the perfect analogy for the question of how do I know the will of God? How, how do I pray God's will in heaven happens down here on earth? Because that's how we all feel about the will of God. We want to hit the bullseye in the will of God. But most of us, if we're honest, w w would say at best, we feel like we're in the neighborhood. And at worst, we're not even close at all. We're way off target. And all of us at one time or another have felt like we're feeling around or groping in the dark. But that's not what your heavenly father wants for you. Listen, he wants you to clearly understand his will for your life. You see this all throughout the scripture, the whole revelation of the scripture. Look at this, uh, Colossians 1. We ask God to give you complete, say complete complete knowledge of his, say it, will, complete knowledge of his will. He wouldn't say that if that wasn't something that God would answer and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Uh, Romans chapter 12, you know this verse in 12, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. By the way, that, that word learn to know, that's a very interesting word in the Greek. It doesn't mean just for you to know it. It means for you to know it and approve it. To know it and approve it. Not that you would know it and be able to snub your nose at it. No, no, that you would know it and you would love it and you would be excited about it. That's what we're to do as the children of God is to stay on our knees until we know and love. The, the will of God. Sometimes we know the will of God and we get up off our knees and, and, and we go fighting the Lord. Well, well, God says, no, no, get back on your knees and I'm going to bring you to the point where you not only know it, but you approve it. And you're excited about it. Look, look, look at this, he, Hebrews 10. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do what? God's will. Then you will receive 
all that he has promised you. So it's not whether or not God has a will for you. He, he does. That's clear in Scripture. And by the way, if you weren't here last week, go back and look and watch last week's message because we talked about that word clear. And keeping all the things in this world and the treasures of this world clear so that you can see through them into Jesus, the giver of all good things. And you go all the way back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 29, where he says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It's really about understanding his will and how we put it into action. And that can be really confusing at times. And what people really want to know when they ask the question about God's will is this is the real question. Does God have a perfect step-by-step plan for my life? And if he does, and if that's true, then how do I know it? How do I make right decisions? And what if I mess up? And what, how do I know this is the person for me to marry? And how do I know if I should change jobs? And how do I know if I do this business deal or buy, uh, you know, Hilton or GameStop? How do I know that, right? How do I know should I buy this house? And listen, now we believe that God has a plan for our lives. And a big picture for each of us. We have faith, by the way, also, that God is interested in every detail of our lives. But it's getting those details right that sometimes scares us. Because if it's true that God has a plan for us and he is interested in the details, then does that mean that if I get one detail wrong, I'm out of God's will? Because that can be scary, right? It can be scary because it's as if what we're envisioning is that what God has done is taken 2,000 pieces and dumped them on the floor and said, now I want you to solve it without ever looking at the box. And that's not what we know about our God, right? And if you get one piece wrong, they're too bad. You should have married him, not him, right? You should have moved there and not there. You should have done that and not that. You should have turned left and not right. But that doesn't sound like the God you and I know does it? But the tension is not just with the puzzle, right? There's no tension in that. I don't feel tension over that. Meredith does puzzles all the time. I hate puzzles. But what I do is I'll slip in when there are about six pieces left, I'll put one in so I contributed to the, to the family puzzle. But I got stuff to do. People are dying and going to hell. I ain't got time for a puzzle. But, but, but there's no tension with a puzzle, right? There's no tension with a puzzle. So that's not what it's like with the will of God for me, right? The will of God, right, when you really contemplate it, it's like that joker that's got the wire cutters and, and he's on the phone with somebody telling him how to cut the right wire on the bomb. And in every single one of those movies, the connection goes bad with the call with the one who knows which wire to cut. And now Harrison Ford is left on Air Force One trying to figure out which wire to cut, right? And how is it that they always cut the right wire? Without the connection to the one who's telling them which wire to cut. They always do. I want to see the movie where they cut the wrong one and the whole thing blows up. <laughs> but we feel that way, don't we? We feel that way about, about, about God and the, and the will of God. In fact, let, let me ask you this question. Do you, do you believe that God has a perfect will for your life? Or do you believe that he just has a preference for the decisions that you, you and I make? In, in other words... 
Is there a perfectly rolled out blueprint for your destiny that includes a step-by-step instruction that, that you must follow? Or do, do you think that God just expects you to end up where he wants you to be, but it's up to us to figure out the details and the steps on, on how to get there? And so I, I, I don't know where you stand on that today. In fact, I'll, I'll just confess to you. I, I remember like it was yesterday. I was a sophomore in high school, and, and I went to the Catholic school uh, across town, drove all the way from Bossier to Shreveport a, a, every day. And, and so none of the people in my youth group uh, at my church went to my school. In fact, I, I, I was one of two believers in my whole high school. And, and even though it was a Catholic Christian school, I, I, there were two of us. I don't, it wasn't bad percentage. There's only about 400 of us in the whole school. But, but I remember wanting, as I grew in my relationship with Christ, wanting to be at school with people in, in my youth group. And so I was praying about it, and I asked my dad about it. And he's like, you need to pray about it. And I was praying about it. And one, one late night, like I remember like it was yesterday, I was standing in the kitchen counter with a cereal bowl, and I got three pieces of paper and wrote Airline High School and three pieces of paper and wrote Loyola College Prep and wadded them up and threw them in the cereal bowl and then said, God, lead me. And I picked one out, and I was like, okay, God, best two out of three. <laughs> and, and, and so I walked through that whole scenario and, and, and got two out of three and went to my dad and said, hey, I, I think I'm supposed to go to the public school. And he said, yeah, you ain't. <laughs> and I remember wrestling with that. Oh, I think it's God's will. He said, it's not. Just trust me. And by the way, I didn't have any indication that he was really walking with the Lord, but, but he just said, just trust me. That was tricky for me. But, but you know, as 49-year-old young man, I look back on that and I'm like, my dad knew what he was talking about. I was that ADD kid who needed discipline in my life. I needed to learn real study habits more than I needed my Christian friends in my English class. I needed to learn how to study because that's what I was going to do with my life. I did not know that at that point, but I had to learn the discipline of studying day in and day out. And those Jesuit priests beat that into me. And, and, and so you, you, now they have these games or these books, right, where you can pick your own adventure. You know what I'm talking about? Like you get to a certain page and you choose, I want to go right or I want to go left. I want to marry him or I want to marry her, right? That whole scenario, and, 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 and it changes the whole book. It changes the whole adventure. Listen, before we answer this question that I just posed to you, we have to understand what the Bible says about God's word and about God's will. When we look throughout scripture, you see the will of God expressed in a couple of ways. Write this down, write this down, okay? But because first there is what we call the, the moral will of God. The moral will of God. These are the do's and the don'ts, the thou shalt's and the thou shalt not's. Let me give you an example. First Thessalonians. God's will, it says this by the way all the time in scripture. God's will is for you to be holy. You want to know what God's will is for you? For you to be holy. Get that one down and then worry about the next step, right? God's will for you is to be holy, so stay away in this particular verse from all sexual sin. There's an example of, of God's moral will. By the way, there's many, 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 many more in, in the Bible. But there's not just the moral will of God. There's also what we call the personal will of God. This is a specific will for your life. Again, the Scripture is very clear in areas about this. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. Chosen to be an apostle by the will of God. Now, is everyone chosen to be a possible? No, of course not, right? But, but, but Paul said he was, and he said that it was by the will of God. So there is a moral will of God, and there is a personal will of God. But, but it's just, but, I mean, let me think how to say this. Is it a, a, a personal plan that is detailed out for you, or is it preference? In fact, let me give you a couple of examples, okay, to help you understand what I'm saying about it. His 
perfect will for us is to remain true and faithful to our spouse. Yes? But does he have a specific will of who we are to marry or just a preference? And if it's true that he just has a preference, can we opt out of the other part? In other words, could we say one day, well, I shouldn't have married that person. I should have married someone else. So now it's okay for me to cheat on them. You see how complicated this would get if you play this out that way. But, but, but God's moral will is for you to stay faithful to your spouse. So e- either way, after the decision is made, there's still a moral will to follow, right? You married that person, and if you think even at this point on a bad day it wasn't God's will, that does not negate your obligation to follow his command to be faithful. Listen, the moral will of God is easy to find in the Bible. You just go to the scripture, you look at it, and and you follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But it's the personal will of God that seems a little complex from time to time. And and, and so that's where I want to focus today, is how do you know God's personal will for your lives? And and, and let me just start this way with a couple of ways or three ways to not find the will of God, okay? And so let let me just give you these. And by the way, I'm sure some of you practice these, right? How to not find God's will. Following your feelings is not the way to find God's will. Do not follow your feelings. Do not rely on your emotions. Why? Because our emotions can be deceitful. And they can be completely off from time to time. I went to a Christian college. And and, and unlike my high school, I went to a Christian college, right? And and in college, I noticed all these Christian uh, weird things that that were happening. And I noticed these Christian girls who were there to get an MRS degree. There were a lot of them. And they, we, they would hear a missionary speak, and, and, and I, then I would hear them say, oh, I, I need to go to Africa. God is calling me. I just know it. He's calling me to Africa. And a month later, the, the speaker from Chile would be there, and they're like, oh, I just know it. I'm supposed to go to South America. <laughs> and, and one month apart, right? And, 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 but, but, but I'm making fun of girls. Guys, we're just as bad, okay? We watch Ford versus Ferrari, and we're like, I, I know God wants me to have a GT500. <laughs> The, the, the difference is women usually get emotional about positive things. Men get emotional about selfish things, right? But, but, but either way, emotions are a bad barometer of God's will. Uh, another way to not know God's will is, is by opening your Bible and pointing. Where, wherever my finger lands, right? That, that's what God wants me to do. Cherry pick it. I heard a story one time of a guy who did that, and, and he just needed a word from God in the morning. He flipped his Bible open, and he pointed, and it said, and Judas went and killed himself. <laughs> I need a better word from God than that today. So he flipped the pages, and, and what you've read, go and do likewise. <laughs> he flipped again, put his finger down, and said, and what you do, do it quickly. <laughs> do, do, do you see how dangerous that could be for you to, to just open the Bible? That's not godly, people. That's nonsense. That's how a toddler would do something. It is not how a mature believer does it. How about this one? Just reading into everything. I got friends like this. I mean, they see a street sign that says, you know, Washington Avenue, and they think God wants them to be president. (laughs) They're walking through the hall, the aisle in the grocery store. They see gold medal flower, and they think, "I I should try out for the Olympics. 
And the whole idea is as if God is playing some cosmic game of hide and seek, that, 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 that he writes out his plan in some weird code and expects us to decode it. But, and, and we often think that God is hiding from us, don't we? And, and we, we think that his will is so hard to find and it's such a task. And, and at times it feels that way for all of us. And if it hasn't felt that way for you, you're not looking for the will of God. I, I, I think, by the way, all of this is rooted in, in the fact that God is a God of relationships. Now, now hear me out on, on this, okay? Because what, what, what I would say to you, and I, I know there are probably some people that disagree. This is a theory, and it's an opinion, okay? I'm shooting a shotgun. I think God, at times, intentionally is making it hard. Why? Because I think he wants to be so involved in our lives in an intimate way. And, and that through a relationship, he wants to know us. And he wants it, that relationship to revolve around faith and, and trust. And it is in those times, for me, this is my confession, it is in those times of struggle and those times of pressure and those times of questioning that we end up seeking him more. And he ends up drawing us closer to him through that process. A lot of times what we want is the answer from God, just the facts, God. And God, just tell me what to do here and hurry up. But God is not Wikipedia. He he, he doesn't just give us that and then then we're done. He wants a real intimate relationship with us. And that takes more than five minutes. And he's more interested in you finding and knowing him than he is in you knowing and finding information. Going back to the bows and arrows, I researched researched how how to shoot a a bow and arrow. In fact, Matt, come up here and show us this. I don't really know how to do it. I scrape my flesh off my arm. But but I do understand in theory and in principle... This this left-handed? Yeah, I'm wrong. I'm wrong-handed. So I can't even do it. No. Well, you can just switch hands. Look, I'm pointing this at the people. In the... <laughs> if you switch hands, you're creating you can do some it. tension, huh? Yeah. If you switch hands. Yeah. So uh, this is the point I want to make. Yes. Where, where, do we have a camera up here? Look, look. Are you scared? <laughs> you should. You should be. You should be scared. <laughs> See, th- th- that's like opening your bow and pointing at it to say, "No, I'm not scared, Pastor. I trust you. You're an idiot." <laughs> But, but, but here's what I want you to see on, on this, this bow, okay? This right here is called the what? Yeah, this is the peep sight. The peep sight. Yes. And, and the peep sight, when you pull this back, lines up into a hole, right, that you're looking through. And then you look through this at what? Yeah, so this, as you draw the string back, aligns with this. This is the sight. And then in here are these different pins. Depending on how far away. how far away you are. So if you're the deer is or top, whatever you're shooting. Yeah, or whatever you're shooting. Yeah, yeah, the clay or whatever. And then so you line this peep hole up with one of these pins with what? With, well, the shaft of the arrow's got to stay in line. Your uh-huh. hand, all, everything has to stay in line with the string. If anything is out of kilter, it won't, it won't be straight. Okay. But, but what's the third thing you're lining this and this up with? Yeah, whatever you're looking at. Whatever you're looking at. Yeah. So what you want to hit. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the will of God, right? right. And, and, and so these things have to line up in order for you to hit the, the bullseye. And when you line that peephole up with that bar in, in that sight with the thing that you're trying to shoot, you'll hit it every time. Or at least you'll get better at hitting it most of the time, right? And, and, and so I'm giving you three markers today that God has for us in order to find his will. And if you will line these three things up, you, what, what you won't have to do is worry about whether or not you're in the will of God, okay? And so here, here's the first marker. The first marker, write this down, is God's precepts. 
God's precepts. Precepts are, are those parts of God's word where he just gives us very clear instruction. These are for all of us, by the way, okay? This is the will of God for all of us all of the time. The thou shalt, the thou shalt not. It's the moral will of God we talked about a minute ago. And, and, and here's the, uh, the, the principle, if you will. God will never uh, tell a person to do something that conflicts with his precepts. He won't. He will never, ever tell somebody to do something that contracts or contradicts his moral will. He will never lead a husband to leave his wife for a more spiritual one. That's not God. Why? Because that goes against the word of God. He will never lead you to cheat on your taxes so that you can give the church more money. That's not how God works, right? Any decision you make must line up first with God's precepts, right? When, when, when you and I live lives of obedience to his precepts, what we know is we're constantly in step with God's thoughts and God's ways and God's will. But, but you will have a difficult time understanding God's personal will if you're ignoring his precepts or, or his moral will. Now, the second marker is, is what we call God's principles, these are parts of Scripture that lay out truth, but they aren't rules, okay? Think of the precepts as rules, okay, as commands, and the principles as equations. Sowing and reaping, for example, right? Uh, there, there's a principle in the Scripture of, of whenever you sow, you will reap. But it's not, it's not a law, right? It's not a rule that you have to sow corn or you have to sow wheat or you have to sow love. Or, right, right, you, you see what I'm saying? It's a principle in Scripture that when you sow, you will reap. And so, by the way, I want you to see this. God's precepts are timeless, Okay, the first one, they're timeless. They are rules for all of eternity. J Jesus told us in, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. God's precepts last forever. You can't escape them. You can't avoid them. They are timeless. But God's principles, listen, God's precepts are timeless. They're rules for all eternity. God's principles, on the other hand, are timely. What does that mean? It means at some point in your decision-making process, your, your options will intersect some principle in the Word of God. And these Bibles, the Bible is full of these principles, right? And they are timely for your situation. By the way, I think it's arrogant for, for you and I to want to open the Word of God up at that moment of discussion and think that we're going to find it in that moment. No, no, what God wants is a relationship with you. Most of the time when God leads me through a principle, it's years before I hit that intersection. I'm not so arrogant to believe that now I have a decision to make. I'm just going to open my Bible and God's going to speak to me. No, no. I have a habit of opening my Bible and God speaking to me. And sometimes it's years before I hit that intersection that that principle has been ingrained in my heart. Listen, it, I, I'm not saying that, that every time you're going to intersect at that moment. In other words, if you're trying to decide between a, you know, a, a 40 inch and a 55 inch television that you opened a Hezekiah 4055. And it will list all of the HD options, right? Listen, listen, I'm not saying that. That's ludicrous. But you can find principles in Scripture about how to spend your money. Listen to what the Bible says about itself and its ability to guide us. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You want to know which way to walk. Get to know God's word. And some people say, well, just read your Bible. It, it has all the answers. That's a very uh, true statement, but a very simplistic statement, right? That, that, because what they're not doing is telling you how to do it. 
If you're wondering what job to take or who to marry or what house to buy, you don't just start reading in Genesis and keep reading until you find a line that says the red brick one. The, the, the Bible is a book of precepts and principles. That's how it works. And the better you know the Bible, the better you know how it works. And the better you know the God of the Bible, the better you know his will, his will. Listen, so read his word, get to know him better. He wants you to know him. The, the, the third marker is, is godly wisdom. Godly wisdom. Ch- children of God who are concerned about the will of God for their lives are also concerned about how they are living their lives. They're conscientious about what they are doing and the legacy they are leaving and the impression they make on unbelievers. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. So be careful how you live, not like fools, but like those who are wise. Do you care about how you live? Do you want to impact other people's lives? Then seek out wisdom. Always be asking this question. Is this the wise thing for me to do? When my boys were little, I walked out in the backyard one time and I found them shooting arrows straight up in the air. And my question for these young boys was, you think this is the wise thing to do? Think back this, think past this step to the next step. Where is that arrow going to go? And where are you standing? Every time you make a decision, here's what I want you to understand, child of God. God has wisdom waiting for you. But if you have trouble finding it or or, or you think, well, I'm not wise enough, I got great news for you. James 1 says that you can ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He'll give it liberally to you. He he, he will give it in in a generous amount to you. Just ask him for his wisdom. Now, now let's go back to these three things we talked about today. You got God's precepts, right? These are the moral will of God, the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots, right? Then you got God's principles. These are found all throughout the scripture. The example we gave is sowing and reaping. And then you have godly wisdom. Now, what I want you to see is that you line all three of these things up, you, you will be in the will of God. But they have to all three line up. In other words, God's precepts may say this is okay, but his principles and and godly wisdom says no, right? Or maybe wisdom says move forward, but his precepts and his principles say wait. Either way, you're going to miss the target. They have to all three be lined up. Now, to illustrate this point, I've asked Matt Ward to come back with his bow and arrow, and he's going to show us how you do this, right? And he's going to shoot it that way, not that way, so you're fine. And and, uh, I trusted him actually to put it in the sound booth and and they said no. We, well, they said no. They said it's not wise. It doesn't line up no. with all three uh, 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 of these things. And, and so what, what I want you to see right here is that Matt cannot see from a straight on line. The camera can, but Matt can't see the bullseye, God's will. And so what he is doing in this moment where he can't see God's will is he's lining these three things up. And hopefully when he shoots, he, he, he will hit the bullseye. Give him a hand. Can, can, you, can you play that back? Play it in slow motion uh, for them real quick. Play it in in slow motion. Do do, do you see how this plays out? Give Matt a hand. And and, and so, same thing with God's will, right? How do you know God's will? You got to stay on target. 
you, you got to stay in His Word, keep taking in His Word, letting Him write it on your heart. And, and, and with a bow and arrow, it becomes an instinctual thing, right? Uh, of hitting a bullseye with an arrow. You, you just kind of know how to do it. Same thing happens with the Word of God. It, when, when the Word of God becomes rooted in you and it becomes part of you and it is written on your heart, listen, th- then it becomes instinctual for, for the child of God. You're not groping around in the dark. J- Jesus told his disciples he was leaving and going where? Heaven, right? To be with the Father. And he said what he would do is send back the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to catch this, that he went to heaven, but he sent part of heaven back to be with us. Part of heaven. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you have heaven, some of heaven in you. That means you have a way of developing an intimate relationship with the Father. You have the living God from heaven in you as you walk on planet earth. You you don't have to get to heaven to know the will of God. Listen, he will lead you in uh, his will from within you. He's living in you. And the ultimate will of God for all of us is to know him. That's the target. By the way, when it comes to hitting that target of knowing him, we have a very poor track record. Romans 3, 23 says that we fall short of the target, the, the, the will of God. That, that We tried to hit the target, but we, we, we came up short. Why? Because we don't obey his precepts. We don't know his principles. And we act foolishly at some point in, in all of our lives, but there's hope that God has provided a way for us to hit the mark. Romans 6, 23 says it this way, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He loved you before you knew about him. And he died for you before you were ever born. Will you make a decision to follow him today? Let, let, let's pray together across all of our campuses. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I I got good news for you. If you're watching online today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I I got good news for you. If you're sitting in one of our campuses today or one of our venues today, I got good news for you. Today can be the day of salvation for you. For you to step across that faith line and trust Him. You've been hunting around in the dark, but you, you don't have... Uh, the author of the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path living within you. And today you can invite him to come into your life to be your Lord and your Savior. I want to lead you in a prayer helping you do just that across all of our campuses. And I want you to repeat it after me. Nobody's going to pray alone. You're going to hear men and women and boys and girls praying all around you at every single campus. But you want to trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Would you just pray and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. But today I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Jesus, would you come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin and I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we all say amen. Would you thank the Lord today for salvation? Men and women and boys and girls' hearts. Now, before, before we cut, let, let, let me just, as we wrap up this series, this is the last part of this series. Next week, it's complicated. What I want you to know 
is the way that we bring heaven down to earth in a tangible way is by knowing God. All of this hinges on knowing God. The, the problem is, is even as the children of God, we default to wanting to know the will of God, desiring the things of God more than we actually want to know God. That, that's the temptation, right? And, and by the way, that temptation would view all three of these markers as uh, the markers of a formula. To think all I have to do is line up these three markers and I'm going to walk in the will of God. Listen, it doesn't work that way. That's not the point of all of this. These aren't markers of a formula. They're markers of intimately knowing God. And as you know God, you, you, you come to know his precepts. And as you know God, you come to know his principles. And as you know God, he, he begins to give you godly wisdom. And, and by the way, it's godly wisdom that holds this whole thing together. You can discover godly principles and precepts, but, but it's godly wisdom that ensures you apply those things to your life in a way that makes a difference, in a way that is establishing the kingdom of God, in a way that is not building up another kingdom or another agenda. Listen, you, you, you can only get godly wisdom through an intimate relationship with God. That comes through time. And I believe with all of my heart that you and I are living in a moment where Almighty God is inviting us to know Him in a way that we have never known Him before. And answering that invitation is how we accept his mandate to make Tulsa America and the world as it is in heaven. And so what I would love to do as we wrap this series up is pray over you, make a declaration over you. And so would you just kind of put your hands like this and say, I received this and say, I'm praying with him. He's praying for me, God. Close your eyes and bow your heads. And let me, let me just speak this over you, God, today as your church. We, we accept your invitation. What would you decrease, decrease our appetite for what would distract us from pursuing you? Lord, Lord I speak for, for our church today to say we, we want to know you. Would you teach us our precepts, your precepts this year? Would you teach us, Lord, your principles this year? God, would you cover us with godly wisdom th this year? God, the deepest part of us cries out to know the deepest part of you. Lord, would we be a people that would bring heaven down to earth because we are in relationship with you, intimate relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say amen and amen. Thank you.